What's up, people? Welcome to episode 23 of the By the Hood podcast slash webcast, because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as usual. This is Jimmy. I got my brother Corey the building. Corey, what's going on? What's going on, Jim? How you feeling? Oh, man, I can't complain. Nobody listening. You know, fair and partly cloudy. Uh, but with that being said, listen, man, um, everybody out there support. I just want to always say thank you, man. I want to say that every episode because we definitely appreciate all the support, all the shares, all the likes, everything, man. Um, but keep doing that because we want to make sure we get this content out there, all positive messages from people within our community um, who are investors, doing amazing things, community activists, building businesses. Um, you know, we just want to show these stories. Uh, so we got an, another amazing episode lined up for you today, man. This is special for me, man, because, um, you know, this is my brother right here who who literally was a badass kid on my block on, on, when I was coming up. <laughs> so <laughs> it is like this is like a family friend, but I got to watch him grow, man. And his story is amazing because, um, you know, I, I see him from time to time and he's talking about trading investing and he's built himself a, a, a nice portfolio so i told him i said man i want to get you on and being a humble brother he is he's like man i ain't got i said listen you have a story because um you maintain to keep your, you kept your job but you also became an amazing investor which is interesting because um we talk a lot about the book the cash flow quadrant on this show and one of the things that Corey and i always talk about listen doesn't matter what part of the quadrant you're in everybody should be operating in the eye or try to get to the eye at least so I think this is an amazing story. So you can tell people how you do it. But without further ado, man, I want to bring my brother, like Sean Witherspoon. I call him Spoon or Sean, however you want to be uh, called. We'll call you that. But I, I call you Spoon for lack of a better term because I know that's your, you know, your IG handle. Whatever. Spoon, what's good, man? Not much. How you making out, Jim? I mean, listen, I can't complain, man. Corey, what's up? What's going on? Hey, listen, man. Um, before we get started, man, and talking about you know your journey as an investor. Um, for the people that don't know you, uh, you know, like I said, you grew up in my block, but tell people what part of the city you're from, what high school did you go to, education background, a little bit about that. Uh, I grew up in the Germantown area from the ages of, I would say, one through 16. As you said, we used to live right down the street from each other. Um, I then moved up into the West Oak Lane area, and I currently reside in Mount Airy. As uh, far as schooling, I went to Germantown High School. I went to Martin... Martin Luther King High School. I went to all my local neighborhood schools, Emlyn Elementary, Roosevelt Middle School. After school, I went into the medical field for a while. Okay. So that's where I, then okay. I went out, got my career. No doubt, no doubt. So with that being said, what was the first thing that turned you on to, um, well, for the people that don't know, you're, you're a real estate investor. You buy residential properties, but you also are a trader. And you buy dividend stock. So you, you're, you're hitting it from like, you know, multiple angles, Pauls. But the thing is, <laughs> what, got you, what got you into investing in the first place? What was the first thing that like piqued your interest? And you said, you know, I got to start looking into this real estate. Was it real estate first before the stocks or how did that, that all work out? Uh, what really got me into it, even before investing, I had to come up with some type of self-discipline as far as financial, edu- like a financial education. And um, what really brought me to that my father was killed when I was 19. We didn't have the money to bury him. So at that point, I knew financially something was wrong with, with me and my immediately family. So as far as my investing, I got my nine to five. I pumped that out. Then from my nine to five, they told me my retirement age was like 62 and a half. And I was... <laughs> 
I just thought that was crazy to collect at 62 and a half. I'm like, I was thinking in my head, I would have one foot in the grave by then. So at that point, I started seeking out knowledge about the, the stock market. And I started buying dividend stocks early on. Then I moved on to rental properties, residential. Mm-hmm. And um, I was spoiled in both ways of seeking out both information. And I think I came on at a, a good timing. So it wasn't, the market wasn't as challenging back then. So I was a little spoiled with that. Okay. Um, far as my, far as my stock portfolio, I, like I said, at a young age, I'm about to say like around like 22, 23, I was just buying stock. Dividend stocks, I really wasn't into the fundamentals. I really wasn't into trading anything at that time. I was just collecting stocks at those times. Then um, Cheat Code to Life is found a mentor. So I went out and I found the mentor. And um, I wound up going to a meetup to find this mentor. And I just knew he was smarter than mostly everybody in the room. So I wound up pulling him to the side. We talked for a good while. And he gave me a book to read. The book was called uh, Options Made Easy, and that opened up the door to my options trading. I mean, the book was a dry read, really dry. It was like watching the paint dry. But I got through the book, and that started my option career. Um, as far as anything in the option field, I do all types of trades for for as options. Okay. And if you want to get more into that, I'll break those down. Um, as far as the real estate game, I was making enough money in the options. I felt as though I needed to move into the real estate game. And once I got into the real estate game, I wanted to focus on single family units. I knew from my nine to five, I didn't have much time to dedicate to the real estate game like I wanted to. So I was spoiled with my first one. Like I said, I wound up getting a lipstick job. Okay. That mean, basically, I bought a property about five years ago for about 40000 the property only needed painting, some light cosmetic stuff, and I was all in with that. Wound up cashing out, created a nice cash flow from that property, and I moved over to my next property. Got that property done. Once that property was done, I wanted to move to a bigger project. And from there, I knew the property game was not for me. <laughs> not to say it wasn't for me, but... I knew I bit too much off at that time. You listen to what you're saying, though, um, is, is key, right? Because um, self-awareness is very important in business in general. Like, regardless of we talking real estate, stocks, um, management, whatever it may be, is, is self-awareness is key. So, you know, real estate, um, I don't want to say it's a fact because it's not a fact because, you know, I've been in the game for a long time. But just being on social media everybody wants to be in real yeah. estate now, right? It's kind of crazy. Um, Cause I, I remember back in the day feeling like I was alone, but now everybody seems to want to be, but what I tell people all the time is be self-aware. Everybody is not meant to be a landlord. Lord, yes. Everybody's really not agree. meant to be a landlord. Cause it's, it's a, t- it's a tough business. It is a tough business. Um, you told me something last time I saw you that was like interesting. And I, I want yeah. you to share this story. You were telling me about one of your tenants who actually pays on time. Yes. But they call you so much that you were talking about not renewing their lease, although they're good at paying, but 
but yes. it wasn't worth it. Like, you know, and I know Corey can speak to this because it gets into the whole aspect of your time and what's your time worth. Yes. So like I said, I still pump my nine to five out. I love my, I love my nine to five. That's what I do to the max. So I use that. My nine to five covers a lot of mistakes that I have made through the real estate game. Great, I, made, I made the most common mistakes with contractors, paying them half up front, things of that nature. I made every mistake you could possibly make. But even with my small portfolio, I still want the most perfect tenants. So this one particular tenant, she pays on time. She calls too much, though. Um, most recently, when I seen you, I got a letter from the city saying outside of the property was dirty, was infested with weeds. So I wound up doing a drive-by. And sure enough, it was infested with weeds. So I went. I reached out to her. Of course, she didn't answer. So I wound up going through there, and I did it myself. It's not how I like to spend my Sundays. But I spent my Sunday out there cleaning up the weeds. So with that being said, I just know my passion is not there. But it is real estate to me is a great vehicle to create cash flow, and it's a great vehicle to invest in. But you have to know yourself. I know that portion is not for me. I know doing like total rehabs is not for me. I'm more of a lipstick guy. I just want to go and do my regular cosmetic stuff and go ahead and move out. That's just for me. So I know my discipline. I'm not disciplined enough to be there every single day to look over a general contractor's shoulder, things of that nature. So I know my limits when it comes to that. Man, that's 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 very yeah. important. Like know, yeah. knowing yourself, right? Yeah, yeah that's heavy because a lot of people – they, you know, they think they're ready for their business and, and not ready for what was what's coming at them. And so, you knowing where to stop, you know, you know what your time is worth. Like, I, I don't want to spend my time like that. And so the money, no matter what kind of ROI you're getting on there, is not even worth it. So that's 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 that's, that's big. Yes. Yeah. You know yourself yeah. in that way. Yeah, that's a good gem right there because you have to be self-aware. Like, <clears throat> you know, but the way you find out about being self-aware, which is another great point, is by getting out and doing something, right? Yes, you have to do it. You have to learn. You have to actually know and get the phone calls. You actually have to be in the properties to know and tolerate it and know, like, yo, is this for me or is this not for me? Um, another little key, I know you like the idea that I did once before, the credit card play. I learned that from another mentor. Mm-hmm. my credit was always, I always built up good credit. And um, I used to get the credit vouchers in the mail. One of my mentors put me on, on this. And they used to be like, oh, we have advanced cash, you 10,000, 20,000, interest-free for a year. So I didn't necessarily had the capital. I didn't want to move the capital. I don't believe in selling many of my stocks. So I didn't want to move the capital out of my stock portfolio. So I wound up doing a cash advance purchased the property. And once I acquired the property, I funded the money through my, my regular nine to five to rehab the property, got the rehab done and did a cash out refi. Once I got the check for the cash out refi, I paid the credit off immediately, the credit card off immediately. And basically I kept about 5,000 and I just recycled it back into my dividend portfolio. But that play, I always try to tell everybody, that play, you have to be disciplined because you can easily acquire this credit card and that year expire or something go wrong, you can wind up paying this credit card 17%, 20% back. So yeah. you have to be disciplined financially to do some of these things or else you'll just be wasting your time. Yeah, yeah. Then it, the ROI from the house would be going back to the credit card. 
100%. So it don't make no sense. It does not it make sense. So you really have to be disciplined when you're doing some of these plays and you're getting um, fancy with the financials, I would say. Yeah. Cause uh you you end up working um for the bank so as Corey calls on the cobalt you end up like you know giving all your money to the cobalt, um th- that's interesting man so so the credit card play like creative financing so you're using creative financing but it, when you get into these different fields right and you say that um you know you learn that the real estate game isn't for you at a certain level you still will do a cosmetic thing but you don't want to do any like deep construction which I understand um because. <clears throat> I remember getting in a commercial and like being lost and I'll never do it again. But the great thing about real estate is right. Is you can be involved in real estate from so many different ways, right? Whether you want to invest in, you know, um, building up a REIT portfolio, whether you want to, uh, you know, fix and flip wholesale, whatever it may be. But like I said, again, another key, the way to find out is by getting out there and doing things. So, I have another investor that I was speaking to and this, this gentleman owned like, you know, over a hundred and some odd properties and realized he hated it, hated the landlord game. Right. He would start selling off his properties um, and went back into wholesaling, even though wholesaling is how he started in order to build up his portfolio. But once he built up his portfolio, what he realized is he liked wholesaling, you know? Um, yeah. But so to each his own, like, you know, like wholesaling is a tough business, but, they, but he realized, and he told me, he says, listen, if I'm cash flowing like, you know, 500 on, on a door per month, that's considered like a good cash flow on property in Philadelphia, in our market, based upon what yeah. the property's worth or whatever. He said, so he started doing the math. He said, so that's about six grand a year. He said, I'm making on average 12 grand on each wholesale deal. So I'm getting two years of income right up front. Absolutely. You know I mean? So he broke it down that way. And I was like, okay, yeah, it's each his own, you know, but it's something about the passive income that I like. Yeah. But yeah. my point in saying all that was you have to like get out there and try things to figure out what your niche is. So yeah, you got to know yourself. Yeah. You got to know yourself. So you also do the trading and the dividend. So what would you say is like, you know, um, your favorite thing out of, out of, out of that trifecta, which is, uh, you know, how you're building your wealth what, out of that trifecta. What's your thing? What is your thing that you like the most? Um, I really like the markets most and um, the markets still gives me access to properties as you said like I, I do own some REITs things of that nature and just to put the disclaimer out there I'm not a licensed broker so anybody listening <laughs> not go out and take any trades or buy any stocks off of my advice do your own research but uh I love getting a, I've seen them dividend checks Jim. and at a young age I understand I understood the value and I learned the value of that compound interest um I understand I understood the value of companies raising their dividends and growing their dividends and, you know, to build that dividend portfolio, you know, not only you need the capital, but you need the time. A lot of times you need time on your side. So I would tell anybody start as early as you can. Mm-hmm. And if, if you want to be a dividend investor, uh, far as the option field, I love options. I love everything about options. Um, I do all types of options trades. I'm not really a day trader. I wouldn't um, call myself a day trader. I would fit more into like a swing trader category. Uh, most of my trades are 20, 30 days out. Some of my trades are even longer, 60 days out, 70 days out. And I, I, roll, I roll a lot of my positions over and over again. And I do sell options against my stock that I own also. Yeah. Which is called? Cover calls. Cover calls. There you go. Basically, yeah. So basically, you just, you just printing money. 
Yeah, you so know, <laughs> I, I, I'll do some cover calls to bring in a percentage um, to up my percentages and my returns on top of my dividend. So I know if a company is paying me six, a six percent yield, I know I can match that six percent yield by doing cover calls throughout the whole year on that. Yeah, company. I gotta get, I gotta get, um, and I'm, I'm actually uh, studying with uh, brother Jay Johnson right now, who was on okay. on a previous episode. So I got with him, and I'm studying. So I, again, I've ran options in the past, but it was basically like Corey, like, "Yo, run this," and I did it just to make some bread. Yeah. But I, I, I decided to take a take a little step further, so studying with brother Jay, studying with brother Jay Johnson, and um. It was one of the things I um I know Corey was telling me about that before. So I have like certain positions where I own you know a couple hundred shares and and and, and like different different positions, right? But I guess one of the things I did is I have multiple brokerage accounts. So the companies that I hold like my long term stuff in is not the same TD yeah. account. And I, again, that's not advice either. That yeah. I was like you know trying to run the options out of. I was like maybe I need to move some stuff over here so I could start the cover call game because th- that's next level. Like yeah, yeah. yo, yeah. listen, you you are printing money. If you can, if you running covered calls, you basically printing money. Yes. Because you can't lose. But you know, um, and, and for the novice out there, right? So I'm learning a lot studying, like studying with Jay and and, and just from talking to people. One of the things you just said something interesting because talking to people that have been doing this for years, and um, I've met some successful like options traders. And one of the things I find interesting is a, a lot of options traders that are successful don't trade a lot of, and I was telling Cordy the other day, they don't trade a lot of companies or a lot of um, sectors. Like, yo, I've met people like who will only trade Fang. Like that's all they do. Yeah. Or, or they're only like um, only trade Microsoft or they'll only trade the energy sector. So I, I found that to be interesting because, you know, um, coming in, I'm like, well, if you trade and you're looking at everything, but this, it doesn't even work that way. No, nah. nah, you, you, what you want to do is find patterns and you want to, you want to identify companies and find patterns. And so if you can identify companies and find patterns, you can always make money. So options traders tend to stick to what they know. Yes. So if you, if, if, if you know a company and you know how a company move and you know, their price actions throughout the, the day, the week, things of that nature, you could pretty much trade options with that knowledge. But I will tell everybody, you know, that options may not be for everybody either. I have blown up accounts before trading wildly. Um, like I said, I still pump my nine to five. So a lot of my trades are defying risk trades, meaning I'm not just going out selling calls or buying puts or buying calls, anything like that. I do a lot of spreads. I do a lot of um, pretty much spreads are my bread and butter. When tell, tell people what spreads are. All right, spreads. Uh, one of my favorite spreads is called the in and out spread. So you got just ABCD stock. And um, let's say the stock price is at 100, Jim. I, I do an in and out spread. If I believe the stock is going to go up, I'll buy the 101 call and buy the 99 call. That right there gives me a 58 prop, 58% probability, depending on which way this, I believe the stock is going to go. Um, but far as I always look at my, my risk first. So my risk, doing that type of spread, I'm risking $1 to make $1. So I'm not over-risking my, my finances. So it's not like I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and be $5,000 in debt or anything like that. I'm basically risking $100 to make $100. But the even more, to sway the probability in my favor, I don't look to make the whole $100. I only look to make 55% of that trade, then I get out. So I'm making 55% on that $100. Mm-hmm. 
So that helps put the uh, basically put the odds in my favor with that type of spread. Um, I've been in scenarios where though my broker is calling me the next morning, letting me know I owed him I owed him bread. Basically, I owed him five thousand because I, I, one of my one of my positions wound up getting downgraded or whatever, and um, pretty much I worked it out with the broker, got out of that position, but that in itself taught me that I was over-allocating my funds. So when I'm over-allocating funds, you should never over-allocate your funds when you're trading options. You know, you should always think risk first, reward second. So mm-hmm. always think about your risk first, think about your reward second. Yep. Um, as far as couldn't, my sectors, I don't ima- have- Hold on, couldn't imagine getting that phone call because <laughs> that phone call yeah, was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a crazy phone call, but they work with you though. They know they they know what it is, and they know, so they do work with you. Uh, most brokers, most good brokers, work with you. I've been with quite a few brokers, and um, pretty much a lot of my stuff. I believe liquidity is king when I'm trading my options. Like it has to be a liquid product. It has to be penny increments, as far as the bid and asking. You know, nothing crazy. You know, like. Let me give you a, like a, a beyond meat would be the bidding um the bidding offer probably be about two three bucks because no nah, that's too that's way too much too much because I know it's hard to borrow so I really don't touch it yeah so I like I like like the apples where I'm getting an SPY yeah, um, yeah with a bid ask price is two or three cents it, instead of two yeah. or three dollars yes so. I don't really like to touch things because you're already in a losing position. So you're already paying two or three dollars to the broker to even fill that position. Yep. So yeah. I really don't touch a lot of that type of stuff. So how did you? How did you? Um, and I guess it's through trial and error get to the point where you have your own system. Um, like you said, through trial and error, learning different strategies and sticking to the strategies that you love and that you learn. So I don't try to go out and learn. Like, I know about iron condors. I know about butterflies, back ratio spreads, and wrist twist spreads. But that's not what I'm, I'm really interested in. I stick, to the, I stick to the trades that I love and I know. So I know exactly what I'm getting myself into. I'm, that's my market. It's just like I'm, I relate it to same thing, like residential properties. I'm not going to go out and buy this big commercial property. I don't know nothing about that. So yeah. same thing applies for my trading. And that's what I'm finding interesting within like the the whole options game is that um how how specific, like I met someone um you know because I'm online talking all day because I'm I'm studying like I said I'm studying and I met someone who was um they only do calls don't do puts at all and then vice versa someone who only like works with puts like people really like specialize within this specialty you know what I mean it's kind of crazy they, how they some stick people, to what they know yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's kind of interesting it's kind of interesting I do both. You know, I'll I'll hold some long-term put positions and I'll just keep on rolling the position out, rolling the position out. And Listen, uh, I, I, yeah, I, my I, positions, I, I, I trade events and I trade a couple companies. Like if I see an event happening and I know which way to, you know, the, the stock is going to move, you know, then I'll trade events. Like, you know, when I know the stock market going to be down for that day, I'll trade gold. You know what I mean? So, because I know that the gold position is going to, you know, it's going to grow or something like that. So I trade events and I also trade, you know, a couple companies, Microsoft, Visa, Roku, you know, that's Roku's my baby because I've been watching them since they got onto the market. (laughs) 
So I, I, you know, I trade, I trade a few, you know, a few positions, and then I trade, you know, some um some some events. So like, I'm that's the that's the kind of trading I do. You know what I mean? So I do calls or puts on whatever event. You know, if I can see it coming, and I know exactly what's going to happen with it, and then with this with yeah. certain companies, I know their price range, and so I can trade them all day. Yeah. So I'm and big so, on I'm big on like the Greeks and the options. I believe um, the Greeks are the, like the foundation of, of option contracts. You should know your your thetas, your deltas, your gammas, things of that nature. So you know exactly if I'm if I'm long a hundred deltas, it means I'm long a hundred shares of that particular position. Mm-hmm. So I I like to I like to be short a lot of theta. Just well, because. Uh, of now a couple of questions. Um, based upon that, we have a couple of people that tra- couple people on the show previously that trade options, and um, they always talk about the fundamentals versus technical. Um, trying to figure out where you stand on that, and also, if someone's just starting today and they want to learn more about trading, what would the the first thing you suggest them to do, or read, or something like that? Um, if you're going to, I would say start as far as option trading. I would yeah. pick up. I would definitely pick up um, the options made easy book. You know, although, although you just told us it's like watching it's paint, a horrible right? read, a horrible <laughs> read. But to me, if you don't have somebody over your back teaching you, you need to understand what an option contract is. You need to understand exactly how it works. You know, it's just not something like you own it. So you don't own this particular, you know, it's going to expire eventually. So you should know exactly how these things work. So I would definitely say that there's another book called Trading in a Zone. I soaked that up through a, like an um, audio book. So I listen to that maybe three, four times a year. It helps get my mindset right. You know, when I need to restart my battery, I, I always listen to that. Um, I, all, another thing I believe you should do, always trade small when you're beginning. You should only be hitting like 1% of your account in each trade. So you're not blowing up your account. The more you trade off, the more you trade off, then you'll get used to trading. You'll get used to seeing how the market moves. So definitely trade small. I, I found a lot of traders that I know, they wind up going out buying 10 contracts or something or selling 10 contracts or something. And they got a five or $10,000 account and they over allocating themselves. You know, one bad day or one bad move can, you know, blow up that that type of account. So Well, well, well but my thing is with, that, with those type of accounts, because I know a lot of people who, who trade from small accounts, and so what you do is you use stops. And so those those take the emotion out of it. If you use the stops on both on both ends, those take the emotion out of it. And so I got another story for you, Corey. I used uh I was actually trading uh, Netflix maybe about three years ago, I believe. And I was trading the earnings, I was long calls, and I wound up not using stops. For well, I had stops for five contracts. I had stopped. I didn't have stops for the other five contracts. They missed earnings. Got they missed earnings by a lot. I mean, I think it was like a three standard deviation move in the underline, and it blew right through my stop. So I wound up just taking a big loss on it. So sometimes I always. It all depends to- on what kind of stop you put on it, though. Because if you put a price stop on it, it it, it it's a market almost- stop. I use market stops. You know, I I rarely ever use a price stop. So I got out, of course, but at the market level. So I took a a big loss on it. So that's why a lot of times I stick to the spreads and stick to spread trading because 
I'm working my nine to five. I'm not watching the markets every day, all day. I know exactly what I get. I get alerts when I get filled on positions. I get alerts when my delta is too long or the delta is too short in one of my positions. So it's like basically I'm trying to – I have automated a lot of my trading uh, as far as the options markets. And like I said, it's all different types of traders out here. Like Corey said, it's only some people that buy calls. Some people are only doing puts. You have to do or stick to what you know. You know. Yeah, so, so that was – I was going to actually ask you that as my next question in terms of maintaining maintaining your gig while, while doing this. How have you, like, come up with a system that allows you to do both? But you kind of answered that. You've automated a lot of things. But I think that's important people to know that you can actually, if you, if you take the time and get the knowledge, you can automate a system um, yeah. where you can kind of do both. Yeah. You know, you use your gig as your, uh, your first investor. You know what I mean? Like look at them yeah. giving you, giving you your seed capital. That's yeah. interesting though, man. So, so the options you would say is your, is your favorite part. You said dividends is your favorite part, but the options I like is how you build up the capital. No dividends. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. So, a lot of my capital, even with my, um, my, my property capital, I roll that over into my dividend stocks. I don't, I don't touch it. Oh, most of that money is just rolled over into dividend stocks. I'm buying more dividend stocks. Ultimately, you know, I want to retire just on dividend stocks and just yeah. be done with it, done with the whole game. Yeah. Get checks. And, and that's, that's, people know I'm a huge proponent of that. I, I've, been, I've been preaching <laughs> that for years. Like, yo. Yeah. So don't don't take profits. Take it and put it in, in into equity. Equity ownership. Straight ownership. investment. Ownership and companies, man. Ownership. Yep. Straight ownership. into the drip. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because I, you know, um, with real people in real estate in general, even if you're a person that flips, take a piece, take a piece of that bread, and put it into those and buy some companies, like buy companies. But um, man, you gave us a lot of game in terms of the options. Like I, I got stuff I got to look up now too. I got to learn my Greeks for one. Um. And I got to get that audio book. I got to get that audio book. Yeah. Trading so, in the zone. I think that's that's that was a key book for me, at least. So, what's your future? What, what do you what do you see as uh something that you is anything you want to get into? You gonna keep running this system until you um until you ready just to like you know go move to an island or something? Uh, pretty much. I want to travel after I retire. I'm looking to try to retire, of course, at a young age. I would say about fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much. I'm just. Growing my dividend right now, I'm just focused on growing my dividend portfolio. I'll still okay. walk away with my pension and everything else, so that ultimately will help with the end game. But I'll still trade also. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, everything is going to be rolled into these dividends. Man, that's dope. That's dope. Corey, you got any questions, man? Uh, no, he answered all the questions because you know he. He basically said, you know, he getting out of here at 50 because I was going to ask him, you know, you're retiring, but, you know, what's that age? What's that number? But my thing is, for most people, you know, I don't believe in age as a retirement, as a retirement to always look at the number. But, you know, but as a person who has a nine to five, age has to play into your retirement number. So I think it's important just to have something like, and I get your point too, like have a number, but sometimes you don't know what the, I get both sides of it. I think is you got to have something, right? So either it has to be one or the other. You have to have something to point to. Uh, Some people are afraid to put either one out there and you see them in Walmart at 85 years old, greeting people. (laughs) Nah, that that ain't the lifestyle for me. You know know what I mean? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, um, you like that number as far as monthly wise and creating that passive income monthly 
you know, I, I would probably, the way I, uh, on a smaller scale, I would like to passively income about 15000 a month. Mm-hmm. That's including my pension, the rental portfolio, and of course my dividend portfolio. So, you know, 15000 that I'll be fine. And uh, it's not like I live a real lavish lifestyle. I was about I'm to say, dog, I don't even need, I don't even need 15. Like I'm a cheap. Yeah, I'm yeah that, that number. I'm very conservative. I, the thing is like, you know, I guess once you cover your housing expenses, like if you have, if you have a house that's either paid off or you can cut, like I'm a cheap bastard, man. So <laughs> I, don't, I only, I only 15 racks a month. Like, you know, but at the end of the day though, um, that, you, it's, it's, you got to figure pension, out what that is. That pension cover a lot of that. That, yeah, that, nine, yeah. that nine to five. I know a lot of people think they got to leave a nine to five. I can't do a nine to five, but that nine to five covers a lot of ground sometimes. No, absolutely. No, no. That uh, you. That, the reason why we had you on the show is because your nine to five has covered up your mistakes. And we always tell people, like you know, people be trying to leave a nine to five, which is cool. You know what I mean? Because trading your time for money is always hard. But yes. my thing is, if you gotta trade your time for money, you you need to do it right because you in the I quadrant, you always. You always winning, you know what I mean. So you not just working, you not just trading time for money. You also an investor. So yeah. if you're going to do it, do it right. Listen, I heard, I heard, I heard a brother I was uh, talking to the other day. Um, and for people out there, like yo, you always talking to somebody. Listen, I have financial conversations pretty much all day long. Every day, yeah, because that's that's all we talk about. Like we won't, we, won't, we won't talk about nothing else. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, um, and he made a point to me, um, which which was interesting. I never thought about this. He. He had a business where he was making like $2,000 a month while he had a full-time job, right? Yeah. So his family uh, said, listen, man, you could, if you could do that part-time, then you can you know, go full-time and cover up for your job, yada, yada, yada. But to make a long story short, he said the one thing he didn't think about um, as after he quit was the things that you have to pay for when you're running your own shop as an entrepreneur. He was like, it was small stuff such as toilet tissue, um, pencils, paper. The extra electric that you're going to like, it's just certain things he didn't wow. think about that, you know, his, his job was covering up as he was doing it as a part-time hustle. Yeah, It's just a difference of having a part-time hustle versus doing something full-time, right? Um, but you have to, again, this all comes back to self-awareness. Self-awareness is key. Some people couldn't, can't deal with the confines of a, a job. But if you have a job that you actually like or love, yeah, which I is why, which is why I always focus on that book, man. Cash flow quadrant changed my whole outlook on that because I grew up in, you know, hearing people, you gotta have your own, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, a third. And I read, and I read that book, and I was like, it's actually about, it's more about strategy. It's more about strategy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like some people, some people's thing is, I get, a part, I get, I get a part time job and I'll do this. Some people's thing is, I don't have no job. But some people's is, you know, I'll start our business. Everybody's journey is different. But the yeah. but to me, I think the thing you focus on is doing something. Don't be sitting around always talking about what you're about to do. Yeah. Get out and do something, right? So even with you and the, part of the story where you talked about, like, you know, realizing that big construction is not for you. You don't know that until you try it. Yes, you don't. So yeah. obviously you got to try it. It's either you got to sink or swim. So yeah. I got to jump in the pool and try it. I tried it. My nine to five, of course, covered up for a lot of mistakes I made in that field. Yeah, so. I, I think we found us a title, Corey. Nine to five, cover my mistakes. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but that, that's that's a good point though, and I, and I think that's why your story is inspiring because you're 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 an investor. You're working in the I quadrant. Um, while while you're working your gig and you're building, you know, and you've kind of created your own system in the options game, which is dope. 
Um, you know, cause I learned a lot just through talking, having this conversation right here, um, you know, about working with the spread and actually trying to figure out what, what's your, uh, your strategy, right? Yeah. You, you figured out what works for you. And Got I guess for me, for you. exactly. Cause like I said, I, I've traded options, I've made money. Um, but I don't think I've figured out what my thing is yet. And now I know there's something I got to think about as I'm studying, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, man. Yeah. You own all them shares, get to doing the cover calls. Yeah. Yeah. Corey put, Corey put me down with it. I was like, I could do that. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's, that's, that's dope. The, that, that, that play is, is vital. And that's, that, that's a good play. That's crazy, man. So, so when you think about how that works and you think about people that, you know, have been hip to that game that own millions and millions of shares, they probably just print money. Yep. So, yeah. Man, money, ain't it beautiful? It's, it's amazing how many ways it is to make money out here, man. Yeah, it's crazy. I know yeah. um, I had another play, a few. Uh, I know how you always like to ask, Jim, what did I feel like? Uh, like real life met the markets. So. Mm-hmm. A couple months ago, my kids, they love uh, Netflix. So my middle one, he loves the Luke Cage show. So Disney wound up pulling all their content off Marvel, um, their Marvel content off of Netflix. So I was like, interesting. So I started going in trying to read their 10Ks and read the news on them. Then we got a letter in the mail stating that like um, ESPN and all, like all the Disney channels was going to be suspended because Disney was trying to work out a contract with Comcast. So I'm like, all right. So I knew about that. So learning those two things, I'm like, Disney's about to announce they Disney Plus platform because they pulling all their content. They redoing the contracts. They just upped the price of the amusement park. So for a good while, I was just buying Disney shares. And um, I knew they was going to announce their Disney Plus. So I didn't know how the announcement was going to really take place or really affected because sometimes the announcements, they can have an announcement and a stock can go down, of course, you know, if the announcement's not too good. So I wound up just buying a whole bunch of Disney stock and I knew I just couldn't go wrong with it because at the end of the day, I could either do cover calls and I would still get paid the dividend. Uh, and it's just a, a company I will hold forever. But I wound up hitting, it wound up jumping probably about 30 points going up. So I made good, I made a good profit on it, but that's just a prime example of just looking at real life examples mm-hmm. and it, it controls the market. Everything is in the markets. Yeah. Trading yeah. an event. You, you traded yeah. the events cause you had the oh. information. And that's the exact same. That's yeah. the way I trade my options. I yeah. trade the events. Once I had the information, I just trade the event. Yeah. So, you know, we yeah. just got to be aware of that as a community, you know, I know, uh, like we always say, we make things cool and, um, like Nike, we should be investing in those type of companies all types of stuff, you know. Yeah, man. Real life events, you know, you could trade into these markets and buy these companies. We just gotta yeah. be more self-aware. This that's absolutely true. It's like it's like my favorite movie ever, which is uh trading trading places. Yeah. When you where, where you like, you know, just reading the paper and you and you make decisions, you know, although they was trying to cheat and get that crop report. But the but the <laughs> but, 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 but the but the gist of it is though, like you know, we, we spend a lot of time on um, social media, Twitter, or whatever, and we see all these events and people are making money as all this goes on. Like, when yeah. you start to understand how money is being made every day, it's like, it's really crazy. Like, like I just said, there's so many ways to make money out here. And it's just a matter of having the knowledge, man, which is one of the reasons why we have this platform. People to like, you know, find people they can reach out to or, or see that people are out there actually doing it. Um, trading events is key. Um 
some people that's all they do. They don't even that's do any they sort do. of te- they don't even do yeah. any sort of technical analysis. They they use the you know this trade events, or they use both. Like they use technical analysis within trading events. What do you? That's another question I'm going to go back to. Fundamental versus technical. What do you uh, think that you use more of? Um, how deep do you go in some and and like a, in terms of technical analysis? Um, as far as technical analysis, I use that a lot. I mean, a whole lot when it comes to trading my options. You know, I had different indicators and things of that nature. I look at uh, the standard deviations. Uh, on most platforms, uh, big platforms, they tell you the price action. And they also on the options chain will tell you the expected move of the options for the option chain. So, you know, you can have a three, three weeks out for an option chain. I know at least in Thinkorswim, it'll tell you the expected move. So I measure that along with some of my technical analysis the sway, which way I'm going to trade or make a trade. As uh, far as fundamentals, I use that far as I read a lot of 10Ks. And let me, I use the cheat code. I use Siri to read me a lot of 10 um, <laughs> Yo, why not use technology? Yo, I'm telling you, man, because I'll drive in the morning and um, morning time on my way to work, I don't listen to no music. I don't listen to no talk shows, nothing. Once in the blue, I throw on your podcast. But mostly, I'm listening to either some stock information, some stock news, or I got Siri reading me some type of 10K or some type of earnings reports. Oh, so that's and the I, cheat code. You can actually have Siri read you a 10K. Yeah. So, you know, I just have a read me because it's boring. It's a boring read. But as far as the fundamentals of a company, if you're going to buy and hold that company, forever and I don't plan on really selling a lot of my companies I hold on to a lot of my companies forever I plan on and um I plan on passing a, that stock down to my kids but uh with that information I just use a lot of I read into a lot of the fundamentals of a company they keep me, okay. they earn me, uh they pay out ratios uh how they grow in their dividends um all of that I read they competitors, you know, if someone, another big company, if it's coming into that, into their market, you know, so the okay. fundamentals, I use that far as me buying options, but uh, my technical analysis, I use that more so when I'm trading options. All right. That's dope. That's dope. So you, mentioned, you, me- you mentioned your kids. So I'm pretty sure that you've probably started to set them up in terms of. Um... Jim, you gave me a key to life with that one, man. <laughs> I remember you had the event on Washington, Washington Lane, and you pulled out that stockpile gift card, man. I, I was like, "Yo, this this is groundbreaking for me because I was always looking the way to get my kids interested into the markets, you know." Mm-hmm. And um, on Stockpile, it's another uh, brokerage company, as you know. You can buy gift cards, everything, but more more so, Stockpile is user friendly and it shows you the brand instead of the ticker symbol. So yep. I'm able to show my kids what Call of Duty or what Nintendo look like or what YouTube comes up as. Then they can see what the company is. But from that right there, I have my kids love it. So that that right there was like a real key for me. Yeah, man. Yeah. Stockpile is amazing. Can I always say that? It's, it's, it's perfect for kids because of that. Because yeah. the one thing kids know is kids know brands. Brands, yes. Yeah. They can see a brand from a mile away. 
You know what I mean? Like you, you, you look up uh, instead of like Sony stock, it'll show like the PlayStation logo, right? Yeah. You know I mean, it'll show like the yeah. Xbox logo instead of the yeah, Microsoft, so Microsoft logo. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah. glad somebody got something out of one of our events. <laughs> Yo, every Listen, time man. I come to y'all events, I learn a, a lot, Corey, and I, I, I implement it to a lot of my stuff every time. I appreciate that, man. And likewise, anytime we talk to you, we learn something, man. But that's yeah. what it's about. That's why it's about. That's why it's about building, man. And that's why it's about having these conversations, um, because like I said, I learn from people. Like pretty much every day, I learn something. As much information as I put out, I learn just as much. Yeah, you got to just by. Plunge. Yeah, you got to share information, man. And we we got to start having these conversations in our community, man. Because um, like you said. We literally move markets. Markets, yes, and, we do. And, and, it, and it's so much money out there being we're, made we're, in all kinds of different ways. Consumers, and, it's so uh, much we, money. Yeah, we need to understand the power of ownership in a lot of these big companies. We need to start owning portions of these companies. Man, and you laid it out, man. This episode right here, you gave us a lot of game. You talked about, um, you know, uh, being disciplined in terms of debt. How you use, how to, how to utilize debt. Um, how to figure out what works for you but also be an owner, always be an owner, but don't feel as though you have to do what everybody else does. Right. Yeah. So because you see somebody who has like, you know, a million dollars in a blue chip stock, doesn't mean that's, that doesn't mean that's for you. Yeah. Cause you see somebody with 50 rental properties or 200 rental properties. That's not, for, it may not be for you. Commercial may not be for you, but something you get to figure out what your thing is. Yes. Ownership is for everybody. You and then I mean? move on it. Every one of our guests, the first, the, the, thing that, that that ties the thread for, for every guest we have on the show is that they make moves. They nobody is nobody is half stepping. Everybody is full speed ahead on whatever it is they doing. And yeah. so that's that's the common thread between every guest we had on here. Like every guest point. is a thousand miles an hour at whatever they doing. Now that's so, a great point. Taking action. And also one of the things I also another common thread between our guest core is not afraid to make mistakes. It's not one person that came up here and said, oh, everything was perfect. Everybody talked about one or two, uh, a couple mistakes that they made, including you, Spoon. So, like, yeah. I appreciate you being, <laughs> being honest about that, man, because, you know, um, it's not about being perfect, you know what I mean? But it's about taking action. Yeah. So I made a ton of mistakes throughout this whole investment thing, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to make a, a lot more. You mm -hmm. know, you just got to keep on pushing through your mistakes and keep on going, you know, blowing up accounts and everything like that. No, nah, don't blow up your accounts, man. Don't don't be encouraging people to do that, man. I don't want I, I hate to for anybody to get that phone call, but it happens, man. I'm telling Listen, you, it happens to a lot. You can call the brokerage companies and tell them to take you off margin and you, you I don't betray I don't betray I don't touch margin no more, bro. Yo, man. You, <laughs> you learn the, you learn, you learn the hard way. You don't have to be that way, man. Yes, I learned the hard way. I don't touch margin, I don't do anything. If I don't have the money and that account to fund the trade. And most most trades don't take a lot of money. You know, the, most option trades don't take a lot of capital unless you're trading bigger stocks like a Google or a Amazon. Then to buy a contract there, it might take a couple thousand. But most companies, you can buy Apple and everything like that for dirt cheap. You don't need a lot of money to to trade options. You just uh But just that keyword, that keyword is discipline, right? So when I was yeah, trading like, discipline couple of trades I made, like, I, I like, I got I to gotta learn to take profits and run, right? Yes. Some, I could be up 50%, and I'm like, I may be nah. squeezed out 60. Nah. <laughs> I'm like, see, so, so, so what I do when I get up 50%, what I do is I put a trailing stop on it. So if it, if it, if, unless it just fall, like, out of the sky like a meteor, it'll hit my stop. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, 
So what I do is I, when I get a big, I put a trailing stop on it. But that's so, still that still involves discipline, and that's my point. Yeah, it does. I that, take. You know I mean, and that's my point. And also knowing when to cut your losses too, right? Yeah, I take half of my position off in that in that case. I take half of my position off, and if I have a good trade, I let the other half run. And that but, still involves yeah. that still involves discipline. Though. All the of discipline that involves discipline. Yes. So, like the the in and out play, like I said, that's a bread and butter trade for me, and that's automated. I set that trade, and it's automated. When it hits fifty percent, fifty five percent. It automatically cashes me out, and I'll I'll let the trade sit there until you know four days out when it's ready to expire. Is it that that's the type of trade? Either you're going to win or you're going to lose. You're you're all in on it. There's no real need to have a stop loss on that type of trade because you're only risking whatever you. I would say if you do one contract, one dollar contract, you're only risking one hundred dollars on that type of trade. So really, it's an all in trade. Yeah, you could get out if you really needed to, but I already know. I already measured my risk. I always how many, risk how many of those do you do a day? So you're saying you're risking $100. How many of those do you do a day? Um, I wouldn't say I do them daily, Corey. I would probably say on a weekly basis, I might do 10 or 20 of them a week. Okay. So, and when yeah. I say 10 or 20 of them a week, I might position myself on a, in an apple tree you know, maybe five quantities of fives, or I might only do one. It's depending on yeah. how, I, how I decide to allocate my funds. And um, I put them all over. That's the type of trade that you could just put all over. And if it's going to move your way, it's going to move your way. If it's not, yeah. then you know what you got at risk. So you're you not- won't be up or down $100 one way or the other. You're not going to be losing or winning a lot. Yeah. But if you, if you win more than you lose, you'll make money. So once, once, once you use... That type of trade, you, it's called a, as a, as a, as a, um, on Think or Swim, they have a, a thing called probability of touch. So yeah. even before I even put the trade on, I'm already about 58 to 60 percent within the probability of touching my money, meaning within the probability of making money on that trade. Then yeah. on top of it, I'm only aiming to get 50 percent 55 percent so that also put the probability so i love having the probabilities on my side when i'm trading options Mostly, no you have to it gives me it gives me that edge i want so once i have that edge i don't mind putting my money at risk so more like let's say i give you an example you know i just read my my portfolio and my balance sheet my balance statement last week and uh for the month of august i probably i did a lot for the month of august because the market was a little volatile I love volatile markets. I text Jim all the time when it's volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably did about 150 of those trades. Out of that 150, Corey, I probably hit on maybe 98 of them. I think it was uh-huh. like, hold on. I got you right now. I'll tell you the exact number. I hit 93 on a profit of at least 40 to 50%. Although I keep track of most of my trades. So, I made good money in August because the market was volatile, but some of them I lost and I was, I was fine with taking the L and going ahead. You're not going to win every trade. Mm-hmm. So that's just the way the game go. But you had the probability, you had a high probability of winning every trade though. And yeah. so that's why you won 93 out of 150. Yes. So a lot of those type of trades I will do. And by any means, there's no trading advice. There's a lot to go into that strategy. So I don't yeah. want people just thinking they can th- throw on that type of strategy. And it's going to be fine. It's a lot 
that goes behind the scenes to a strategy. Like you just that. told us all the work you do up front with so, reading 10Ks and, and doing yeah. probability and, yes. and, and analysis. So, so you just told us a lot of the you do a lot of work before you yeah. put these trades. Yeah, put on the trade. Yes, yeah. he gave so us a lot of work code. that go into it. He so, gave us a cheat code. I'm about to see if, uh, if Google Home could uh, start reading some 10Ks, man. I, ain't, I never I'm thought about you, that. Man. Yeah, so you know, I know you own a lot of companies, Jim, but you know, I would definitely. I, I, funny thing is, I, I, I funny thing is, I, I really don't like. I, I I'm I think in terms of like individual companies, okay. I'm probably down to about ten, right? So instead of taking a bunch of positions, I read, I started building up um the, the most amount of blue chips, okay. building up heavy positions in those companies. Now I do got a um, handful of ETFs too, which gives me exposure to a lot of things. Yes. Um, I fell in love with ETFs. The more I studied them, the more I fell in love with them. I was actually telling Corey yesterday that I had yeah. to like, reallocate my portfolio because, like a lot of um, ET, like there's certain times I have like multiple companies within the same field. I'm like. If I just bought this ETF, it gives me those two as well as exposure to a couple other things. Yeah. And some of those ETFs, yeah. especially depends upon how they're weighted, um, yes. work better. So I've actually fallen in love with ETFs over the last year or so. I, I actually, I actually just bought bought a couple of ETFs, like the gold ETF, and you know, like I said, these this is not trading advice, but I just bought a few ETFs myself. Like once I seen the market start getting volatile and Trump start, you know, popping off at the at the jibs, I start buying them gold ETFs because I know the market, you know what I mean, going to yeah. take some dips. And so them gold ETFs start like, you know, like that that kind of information right there, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's just... Yeah. But one of the I, reasons like I consolidated a lot of my companies is because of that. Like it, I like to, I'm just like you, I want to hold these companies forever. So therefore, I want to read the 10Ks, I want to listen, you know, the annual reports and all that. And you can't study 60, 70 companies. Like, you know what I mean? As an no. individual, you, you can't, you can't do that. And you know, that, that's um, where the brokerages make their money because they got people that can do that for you. And a lot of, that's why a lot of people trust their money, to brokerages instead of doing it themselves. Yeah. But the thing that they don't understand is what me and you were talking about is them fees will, will eat up your profit. Listen, man, and that's time, the thing. Them fees will knock your profits off Listen, the, out the box. Absolutely. And that's one of the things where like, and people don't, I have a huge percentage of my net worth in um, the Vanguard 500 and that's not investment advice again, yes. but I do, but I do. <laughs> and, and the reason I do that is because again, it's self-cleansing. Um, and it gives me exposure to the top 500 companies and I, I don't have to even worry about that. But then I have my, my 10 companies that I focus on heavily, my blue chip stocks yep. that, uh, and the people watch the show, they probably even know what those 10 are. Cause I talk about them from time to time, oh, yep. you know what I'm saying? But, but the thing is though, I gotta, I gotta see if the cheat code works though. I gotta get on, I'm about to get off here, get on Siri, get on Google home. I'm gonna say, who gonna read me these 10 K's? Cause that's, yeah. that's def- no one ever told me that before. That's definitely cheat code. Just like, um, what you, you know, Siri, if you highlight something, if you got the feature on your phone, you set it up. If you highlight something, it'll read it off to you. Yeah. Same thing. All you do is go into the investment sites or the, whatever company you want to know. I download it as a book. Then I just highlight it and I just have it read it, read it off to me. That's, that's it. A, that's, so, a de- that's a definite cheat code. That's yeah. a game right there. Damn, no so, one ever pulled that one out. That's, that's a cheat code. That's definitely so in the morning, code. Most of my morning rides to work, I'm trying to soak up knowledge. About that's companies dope. that I love. That's dope. That's dope. And you don't have to answer this question, but let me ask you, if out of all the companies you own, what is your favorite company? <laughs> I like to ask people this to see, this to see what, like, you know, because it could be based on the products they make. Um, Johnson, it could be based on Johnson & Johnson is my favorite company. 
Uh, nice. Out of all of them, I own. I love Jackson nice. the most. Nice. And I, you, know, and just, you, you see them just get smacked over the head, right? I love it. And it, I love and it, it. Don't, and it don't even I matter. It. And disclaimer. It don't disclaimer. matter. Disclaimer. The more lawsuits and everything, I love it because <laughs> it, 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 all it does is drive the stock price down for me to buy. I'm going to buy more. So I love, yeah. love averaging in on positions. So for most people, all right, averaging in is a, another form of how I invest. So if I want to buy into a company, ABC, D company, whatever, at the stock price, I love buying companies that's 20, 30% down. I love buying companies like that. Um, I love buying the bad news companies and things of that nature. Um, but I, I always average in my positions. And like you said, Corey, how I always take action. So sometimes for me to take the action, I would want to allocate just a round number, $5,000 to a company. I'm not going to buy, if the stock price is at 130, I know it's, this company is going to take another hit or I believe it's going to take another hit. I wouldn't just buy the $5,000 of that company. I will probably be honest with you. I will buy one share, just one, just to start me out with, just to get my feet wet and take the action. So when, it makes me feel good when I open up my portfolio and I see I just own the company. Yeah. So then I'll start averaging in. Then I'll buy, I'll deploy $2,000 worth. Then if the company drops another three, four, 5%, I'll deploy another thousand dollars worth. So the more I average in down, I'm averaging down on buying this. You got to think um, as far as my dividend yield is going higher. My dividend, I'm going to start out with a higher dividend yield than most. So mm-hmm. a lot of my positions, I love to average in into companies. So yeah, like you got to be you got to be careful with the averaging though, because what what happen is if if it averages down too much, then you won't be making any. Then it then you won't be you'll be losing money on the position. I'm fine with I'm fine with being down in my position because, like I said, most of these companies I'm going to over, hold them. you're going to be holding them for fifty years. Yeah, and you don't think matter. over a fifty year time frame is going to be down. And yeah, disclaimer, so, and I just want to say disclaimer. I'm a I'm a J and J holder too because I I actually used to work there for for a quick minute and um got some stock from back then and I, and actually that's one of my favorite companies too um because Cord the thing about it was crazy about that is like yo um. They get hit with big lawsuits all the time. They do. They, get, they be getting mangled. They be getting mangled. But that, but that, like, like for a long-term investor, you know, Johnson and Johnson's not going anywhere anytime soon. Exactly. So the lawsuits, like, they they get hit with three or four lawsuits a year. Exactly. So, so it doesn't matter that you know those lawsuits come. Those lawsuits is the time to actually average in average and buy in. some. And buy some also for, you know, for an options trader. You know, those are times where you can go ahead and make a couple dollars on the, on the way down. <laughs> and then if you hold more than 100, you can make on the swing back up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, listen, like a million, a million ways to make a million dollars. Man, the one so, thing that's, the one thing that's evident through this episode, man, and I, I don't want to hold you in forever, man, but I just want to say first off that I appreciate you for giving us your time and all the game you're giving us because you gave us a lot of uh, a lot of jewels and gems in this episode. Um, stuff I'm gonna take away with. I'm about to ha- uh, go play with my Google Home and Siri right now, trying to see how many ten Ks I can hear. But the one thing that's evident is you put a lot of thought into what you do and you do a lot of studying. I could tell just from the conversation that you do a lot of studying, um, and that's something that people can also pick up on is that if you actually want to get into this game, but you should be, these are the conversations you should be having and you should be doing your studying, man. So you figured out um, your formula 
with each piece, right? So your trifecta of options, dividend investing, and real estate. And you got your formula and it's working for you. And um, much continued success, good brother. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. Now I can't believe I can't believe the badass kid down the street with the long hair is is is, is a big boy investor these days. I, and that's crazy. I blame you. You should have took me under your wing a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been out the game for. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I appreciate it. Yeah, Listen, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. And um, for those out there listening, man, make sure that you share this episode. I'm going to put uh, his IG links and everything in the description so you can, uh, you know, get in touch with Spoon and see what he's got going on. Um, Core, any questions before we get out of here, good brother? No questions, man. I want to thank him because he always come out and support us, man. That absolutely. too, man. Absolutely. And we definitely appreciate your support, man. Um, and for those out there um, watching this, also make sure that you come check us out. Uh, the date is what, October 26th, Core? Yeah, October 26th. All right, at I, I, all. all right, so October 26th, here's the event that we're going to have. It has nothing to do with us. We're trying to see if we can get people to come together to support a black business. So we decided uh, every once a month, once every two months, we're going to pull up on a black business, invite people out, just a network talk, and everybody comes spend $20 with that black business. Because a lot of times we talk about supporting black business, and a lot of us sit online and type all day about what's going on, but we want to start actually taking action. So um, I'll put the uh, information about that in the description box as well. And also follow us on IG or Twitter. We're going to put the flyer up. But um, we'll continue to bring these guests. Uh, so some of the guests that actually have been on our podcast will be in attendance at this event. Just a networking talk. Um, we can talk options, talk stock, talk whatever, man. But um, once again, Spoon, man, listen, I, I appreciate you, good brother. And um, like I said, much continued success, man. And, and make sure you build up the portfolio for them babies, man, because it's all about generational wealth, right? Generational, passing it down. That's right. Yep. That's right. Listen, so for all of that, as we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates, man. And we'll see y'all next time. Peace. All right. Thanks, Jim.